Welcome to the Confessions of a Restaurant Tour podcast where we talk about London's hospitality scene. Join us as we explore the highs and lows of being a business operator in one of the busiest cities in the world. Trying our new ventures and exploring the business of food. I am Omar Shah. And I'm Florence May and welcome to this week's episode. So let's get to it. What are we talking about today? Okay. So today we are talking about How was your day by the way? My day was really good, thank you. Good, good. How was your day? Yeah, it's cool. Started off in the gym. Uh-huh. Feel refreshed. Yeah. You know. Exhausting. But afterwards you feel pumped full of energy. Like That's good, good start, good start. Achieved a lot. Okay. Some PBs, by the way. And then we'll talk about that later. Go on. Okay. <laughs> So, what was your PBs? You just mentioned it. No, no, it's all good. Listen, no, no, no. Listen, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. I'll talk about it later. <laughs> Check my socials. I posted a few videos. Yeah. Oh, anyway, go on. Okay. So, today's podcast, we are yeah. going to be talking about um, the journey of the on- entrepreneur. So, from going from no businesses to now nine businesses and our journeys are quite different so I thought it'd be interesting for us to go through that and talk about it a little bit Mm. okay so I want to talk about um I want to ask you what is your definition of an entrepreneur an entrepreneur is somebody who has the ability to take risk um for the pursuit of um creation financial gain and yeah just just really being innovative in a way you do so you know so it doesn't necessarily mean you could be an entrepreneur and you just open up a business book I know that's a traditional definition but like our our bookkeeper or accountant in our office could be an entrepreneur in the way they create they come up with uh, new processes and systems to make us more efficient same with our managers and I think that's the entrepreneurial spirit is the ability to innovate and create to benefit yourself either through time or money cool yeah. um, like just the simple terms that everybody obviously knows is uh, an entrepreneur is a person who creates and designs business to overall make a profit and that's something would you say like you're proud to represent as a as an entrepreneur well yeah I mean obviously money making money is nice yeah alright but that you know to be honest that wasn't obviously that's something you strive for in order to run a business you got to pay your bills mm-hmm. you got to pay your staff pay yourself if you can and uh, any money on top of that is really nice because it allows you to you know reinvest in the business or you know hire more people hire better people you know invest in better systems and equipment so that's really cool yeah did you like did you always know that you wanted to be in business and like what would you say is the earliest like kind of memory you have of saying yes i am gonna get into business oh yo man i've been hustling since i was a kid i I know we know the story selling i've been i was selling shits in the playground since i was eight years old seven years old doing little party bags of sweets um 
yeah, screw, yeah, I don't want to go into what I sold, but yeah. No, tell us, I think it's important. Well, listen, I sold things that people wanted. It was at the mall and I supplied, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to incriminate myself. No, there's no funny story, is it? No, no, I think it's good to share. Like, one of my favorite stories um, that you tell us, tell me especially, is all the things you sold when you were a child. And I thought that was really fascinating (laughs) that even at a young age, you started, like, you know, setting up your business models, what you could sell it for and for what price and um yeah i think you should tell us about it what specifically the sweets no not the sweets all right fine let me just get on with it damn it <laughs> damn it i was gonna take i think this, this is the benefit of knowing like the whole <laughs> life so all right so uh there was a there was a part of my life where um my father uh wanted guidance for me yeah all right and he, he put me in a in a, a private for one year only yeah because i was a bit you know a private islamic school i had you know the you know the opportunity and the blessings and to do so mm-hmm. you know and it was very it was a big privilege and and, and i went there and um yeah a lot of uh, what i was exposed to living in london my my uh, colleagues in my classroom weren't yeah you know so particularly a lot yeah so in the beginning they were asking me for uh uh to pay me £10 to buy them the Sunday Sport. And if anybody's old enough to know what the Sunday Sport included, it didn't include just sport, all right? There was a lot of nudity um, from not just the page three, but most of the pages. And uh, it was almost treated as soft porn. So they used to give me a tenner to go to the shop to buy this. Uh, to buy, Yeah, I used to buy it for 20p and sell it for a tenner until they wanted harder stuff. And I used to get yeah magazines and that for some reason in this uh, uh, religious school, I became the porn baron of the school. And, um, <laughs> this is my favorite yeah, story. And I made quite a lot of money until uh, one of them got caught and uh, snitched on me <laughs> and I got beat by my mum. Yeah. All right. When she found out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she didn't approve now of course not no no she was appalled disgusted embarrassed (laughs) and every right so and and then when my dad found out uh he he came down they weren't they didn't you know my mom and dad were weren't living together and i was living with my mom at the time and he came down it was like and of course you know he, he he gave me a telling off but at the end of it it was like how much did you sell it for 20 pound dad 20 pound a magazine he was like a little nod of approval I just saw in the side of his eye and I'm like yeah but yeah that, listen and then I stopped so yeah that was it that was a short stint but um, I, I was always entrepreneurial and um, yeah it could have easily gone a different way yeah uh, a lot of uh, my friends growing up did but I didn't yeah they, you know I had I had uh, I had the foundation of you know my parents being around me and good you know good schools here and there I went to many many schools many different playgrounds many opportunities to sell my my bits and pieces you know so <laughs> we won't go into it there's a brief time of watches as well but we won't there go was into watches that. as well I used to buy from philippines for like <laughs> you know uh designer watches <laughs> and then sell it in the playground you know buying for like three quid a piece in philippines exchange rate was really good back yeah. then i was like 14 years old and sell it in, sell it in the playground for 60 pound i think i was making like two three hundred pound a day when i was 14 for for a while yeah i think that's very interesting that you know very unique um journey 
uh, as a kid, I, I feel... But that's the that entrepreneurial mindset. spirit is understanding is supply and demand and having the ability to kind of spot out what people want. And I yeah. felt that I've always kind of like wanted to make and it wasn't really about the money it was it was what was your like main it was, it was a process drive there. it was the the transaction and it was nice to make money but it's not like i was i was spending it on things to uh i wasn't frivolous with it and i didn't want to you know i went party i was a kid what was i buying at that age like slushy and slurpees and bro that was still expensive though. yeah yeah well i mean i think probably for me like not oh. as not as crazy of a story as yours but mine was definitely my story is probably a bit more gold driven to purchase something because like i didn't really get a lot of pocket money or i didn't get like you know we didn't have a little like bank of funds for sweets for me so I had to be a bit more creative so I could go out and you know be able to participate in those social events so like my thing was like I have a big family I got four like four siblings three brothers that play sports like non-stop and they always always run out of socks and I was like these idiots I want to make money off them you sold socks to your brother yeah I sold socks for them and then also like in the end they still ran out so I was like listen I'm gonna do your laundry for you, but you gotta pay up. I want an iPhone. And this is when the new iPhones were coming out. And they were like, what? We're not getting you an iPhone. And I was like, all right, well, you're just not gonna have any socks. And secretly, they didn't know, but I was like holding back their socks. So they thought they had all these socks, but really they were only getting like five pairs each. And then in the end, they just started paying up, giving me their like sock money. So I'd go around and just collect my sock money until I got enough money to buy my iPhone. And I realized I'm just gonna keep like charging them for things. Like this is the way I'm gonna pay for my teenage lifestyle. Until I, I basically just got whatever I wanted from them. Okay. Like, you know, that was, that was like my little thing, but I only did it to my family, you know? I can only do it for my family. I didn't have that confidence to kind of offer my well, services there, to there was anyone a, else. There was enough of them to, to have a substantial market. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there you go. So, so. That's, that's quite interesting. But I talk about, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit because it's important, you know, that like, what's gonna make you achieve that goal, whether it was like you just enjoying that feeling of transactional, you know, experience or like achieving that goal in the end. And I think like that's a good spirit to always kind of have, whether it evolves and grows into something bigger. Uh, but I always remember, I always gave great customer service. I won't ask my <laughs> brothers if I gave them great customer service, but anyway, there's a nice little story for everyone. And um, so I wanna, forward a little bit to um you know you having such a great uh you know passion for that and enjoying that but then all of a sudden you turn around and you you know you did accountancy which is kind of not what yeah so my parents opened up a bintang restaurant in 1987 i've mentioned before mm -hmm. you know i was used as child labor from eight years old working helping washing up in the kitchen to about i think 10 i was on the floor taking orders and i remember back then very vividly there was no smoking ban me taking orders from these customers smoking and puffing in my face small restaurant no ventilation my eyes used to tear up yeah it was it was yeah i was in a in a, in a mist of it yeah you know, literally you know with all that smoke but it, um yeah i knew i i grew up in hospitality and I, I guess that was ingrained in my blood you know learning how to um engage with people a lot older than me 
and have the confidence to communicate and I think that's very important yeah you know that element I don't think a lot of kids my age were exposed to so many different types of people you know um, and being able to sell product recommend you know have a bit of banter at the same time yeah that's why for me I felt like that would have been like a natural like progression for you like you know having that strong business kind of focus with your dad and your mom starting that and I know your dad as well had like lots of other business before the restaurant side of things um you know he had a printing shop and things like that but then after all of that you go into accountancy like what made you so decide to do that I went to uni did a business finance degree uh and I realized, my, my pops actually asked me, son, listen, I want you to take care of Bintang, manage it. And I'm like, yeah, cool. I thought, let me do it. You know, I thought it was a good opportunity to to get involved with. But at that point, it was just one, you know, we only had, that was the family business, that yeah. one restaurant. It was a it was a 30 cover restaurant. It wasn't a big restaurant. And working there for about three, four months, realizing, holy shit, I'm still doing the same jobs I was doing prior to doing, you know, working part-time during uni and as a kid, <laughs> taking orders, you know, clearing up, cleaning up. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that you know but it was it didn't I didn't feel we were evolving the business in a sense where this would pay for my lifestyle or the lifestyle I wanted so um, I didn't know what to do I had no money um, but I wasn't getting paid enough to to uh, start my own thing I didn't have any savings <laughs> and I thought to myself listen let me what can I do with my time with my spare time I took up uh, an ACCA uh, chartered accountancy course I mean that's not spare time that's devotion like you really did do that for a while yeah yeah so that was either evening or we- spare weekends or any like daytime weekends I had off you know um, obviously every weekend I had to work yeah and just did enough to be um, part qualified and then I applied for jobs I told my pops dad listen I'm gonna have to leave I'm sorry I don't know you know I did my head look like this isn't you know I wanna move out buy a house yada 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 and you know, be able to feed myself and, and, you know, in the future, feed you guys. So, um, I decided accountancy, I was was attracted to being an accountant because I knew if I invested X amount of time, if I had X amount of experience, there's a very clear salary survey of how much money you could earn. And that was a lot more than what I was getting paid in the family business. So I thought, let me put my time and I managed to get a job, um, ran a finance department for a recycling company and, Long story short, after a year and a half, I learned a lot because it was a startup and I learned a lot about, and this was before Instagram. Yeah. All right. This was before Instagram. And the, the biggest thing um, a lot of businesses were taking advantage of was SEO and blog writing. But Search engine optimization. Search Just engine optimization. But at that point, not a lot of restaurants were doing that. Mm-hmm. And it kind of blew my mind. Wow, this guy is driving so many um, customers to, to, you know, um, to his website and so many leads are being generated and the sales he was making. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm transacting, I'm, I'm, I'm reviewing all the expenses he had and, you know, his Google Ads um, budget to his, his marketing budget. And I thought, wow, if this was only applicable, if we only applied this to restaurants or our restaurant or one of like, you know. So when the opportunity arose and there was a place that I found and through savings and I told my pops, listen, let's do something now. I've got a bit more experience. I want to open up a, a separate restaurant with you. And uh, he laughed in my face. So he goes, now nah, what the hell do you know about restaurants? I, did I, I can imagine him doing yeah, that as yeah. well. Um, so I, I created a business plan sent out to about 
20 different banks trying to get a loan and um, a couple of them got back to me and they were super impressed and you know they they authorized it and and yeah the rest was history so that's where that's when we opened up Guanabana restaurant yeah. and we used the same uh, I used the same lessons and tools in order to kind of generate a bit more push when we opened up and that was our website blog writing SEO finding halal restaurants in London and that was <clears throat> like Guanabana I just want to make it clear that that was your kind of first solo venture um, opening like sorry your first venture your mm -hmm. first business venture on your own um, that you kind of did everything from scratch that was that was 2008 is that correct? 2008, we opened it up. I was cooking in there and I had like sometimes by myself in the kitchen because I couldn't afford anyone else running upstairs to deal with. I know as soon as the last ticket happened, you know, was cooked out, I used to run upstairs just to deal with, with the, the floor service because again, I didn't have too many experienced people. It was really tough, you know. I slept there. I didn't have, I couldn't afford a, a dishwasher and I had two in the morning washing dishes by hand. We couldn't, we couldn't afford a, a an ice machine so crushing ice you know buying it by the bags and breaking it yourself because you know once it kind of semi melts you put it back and it just turns into a big block it was it didn't have tills it was all by calculator and it was it was old school man yeah old school compared to now where you could do everything off your phone I mean you know I think I think again like that's the difference between you know owning and opening one site versus you know when we grow which will kind of delve into in a minute um the difference in kind of starting up and how you operate with with just yourself versus yeah, so, a team you know so i think going through that experience and being in a position where you are desperate you know yeah. you look for efficiencies wherever you can you try and save money wherever you can um yeah and you do if you can't afford it you do it yourself yeah, and through that experience, that that allows me now to kind of like I know we have nine nine units, God willing, more to come, but I I feel I have the ability more you know than most most of my team to to because of my experience yeah. to identify shit we're wasting time and money here yeah. we could do this or we could do this better, but at the same time it took me a while. Yeah, I mean to, to break out of that mindset where you know you need to sometimes exactly you just, you just need to invest in the right and I uh, feel like right that's kind of or, or group of people or, or solution. You kind of see that growth well in your journey and in, in my journey, which I'll talk about in a second. How you know you change throughout the years per site, per project, and per business, and and in that mindset, in that situation when you had your first business, what was like your main you know focus and drive to kind of get that business going get that business to a place where you were happy with it that, that you kind of finally went this is it I'm 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 ready to like level up now oh I was broke <laughs> I was broke as fuck man I was like it it obviously yeah, I'm I'm in partner like whatever the business made I and when we first opened a lot of money was spent and I wasn't there wasn't money to almost live on my meals were came from the meals in the restaurant you know, it was at that time I was living with my mom, mm -hmm. you know, and I, you know, I try to, you know, I contribute whatever I can and it was hard and she needed money as well. So it was just, you know, if I, so at that point I remember borrowing money to help my mom out because I, you know, opening up this business, I couldn't pay, help pay for the rent. 
And that's kind of the most common ways for, for people to start a business. You know, a lot of people ask, like, where did you kind of get the funds or how did you get there? Did you use so, an investor? Yeah, so when, when I wanted to borrow money, I think at that point I was asking for 50 grand. And to me, that was a lot. And I thought, yeah, I could do it for 50 bags. No problem. Uh, the bank was saying, why so little? Most restaurants that, you know, ask for a loan are asking for like, 150 200,000 and that blew my mind yeah but I because I you know just a bit of background where I worked as an accountant it was a it was a recycling company called any junk um, the owner Jason Moore at a time smart guy ex-angel investor um, yeah he created a he, he borrowed a model from Canada that was a new rag and bone trade that was branded easy to book very clear prices and they used to collect rubbish and whatever didn't tip they resold. Mm -hmm. So there was a massive warehouse full of chairs and tables and paintings and and that kind of worked out for you, didn't it? That worked out because when we were when we were um, furnishing the restaurant and decorating a restaurant, I just had my little Peugeot three hundred six full of chairs and tables every day. When I gave my notice in, I told them I'm opening up a restaurant, so I used to buy chairs and tables like two pound, three pound, and that was the brick and brack style, that shabby chic that was in back then, you know. Um, you still kind of do that now. You still kind of use your Tesla. A bargain, I love a bargain. And a bargain. Put, I love put a bargain. chairs and tables in that when you can. So I don't. Yeah, think, I, like I don't it. think much has changed apart from just your vehicle. Um, yeah, I don't like wasting money. <laughs> no, you all. don't. No, no. Um, but that, that's cool. So would you say like that experience of you being an accountant played a big role into how you did business differently compared to how you would have tackled it in not, your family business at been time? Not in a way that you would think because, oh yeah, accounting, yeah. A lot of people say, oh, you got that background. Yeah, that must help so much. No, it, it, like I was probably personally the worst bookkeeper for myself. The discipline to manage paperwork and uh, make sure your, your books are balanced and your, your invoices are paid on time and they're filed correctly and neatly and organized. Like when you're doing, trying to do that and just that, or running a restaurant and jumping here, there, everywhere. I had receipts stuffed in my socks and my back pockets of my shorts. And, you know, I was so bad at managing my own finances. It was a joke considering my background. You know, and I thought, yeah, I could do. It. I don't need it. Like, and then I realized. <laughs> I used to think that all the time when I would look at you and go, "How are you dealing with this? You just come in and empty all your pockets." I just have wads of cash. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, let me just pay for this guy, pay this guy in cash or whatever. And thankfully, get, not anymore. Thankfully, not anymore. Yeah, no one pays in cash. I can't. We're in a <laughs> we live in a digital world. Now, yeah, yeah, so everything is. It makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. No, but I think I think that's a great. Um, everything is tracked. <laughs> that's a great transition like from your cycle of being in business then leaving it to kind of master a skill and then going back to it and bringing something different that most other um, people wouldn't really necessarily think of to, to use when, when opening a business um, but yeah that's really that's really yeah, cool yeah so that that Guanabana was open and I remember with my my, um, my dad and like that, that we needed like this is it was popping it got it, it got busy really quickly yeah because we really tapped into a demographic that a lot of people weren't at that time mm -hmm. you know the, the halal food market was just at the cusp you know and there was a new generation of you know uh, young uh, second generation Muslims who didn't want to just eat at home they wanted to go out and eat and socialize with their non-Muslims Muslim friends and chill out you know in different environments I mean I guess if if you know you don't you're not gonna go, be going out clubbing or partying or drinking like they're only like kind of eating and socializing for you to do and that's yeah. mainly done at a restaurant so 
Yeah, no, no, of course. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it got very busy quickly and I wanted to expand and open up more guanabanas with my father. I'm like, Dad, come on, let's just look around. We need to open up more. This is the wave. This is, where, this is the wave. This is the trend. We need to be on it. You know, we need to react uh, promptly. Otherwise, we, you know, we won't have the advantage we have at the moment. And it took almost like, it took, you know, doing that with te for 10 years yeah. with him. And I worked with Guanabana and every time we, we tried, like I wanted to, he, he's OG, I'm new, I'm new school, right? So I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's just do this, let's do that, whatever we need to do. And he's very risk averse. He's Obviously, like, no, Omar. No, no, he's not, he'll, he'll entertain the idea. No, but kidding. when it came to like making the decision, it took very long. There's a lot of justification and energy came into it. So... It didn't, his way and my way didn't work out and, and we decided like, you know, we have to go our own ways and from there we, we, you know, we decided, boom, let's just separate because at that point I think I needed to do my own thing. Yeah. You know, then at that time I think the, the Mama Sons came about as well. We kind of took that opportunity and this was the first project mama sons yeah where well th th this is my first project you know guanabana i would say is your first similar in a way where you know you kind of did it with your dad this is probably my first real uh experience opening up a business from start to scratch no so i was gonna what was i say is the first time that i didn't have to justify i didn't have to go to him for fun you know like to authorize the funding to like you know and really plead my case and the yeah. amount of energy you know that that takes so w i think the difference is is that you're allowed to make your own mistakes here. yeah and this was the first opportunity as you were when it was me and you this was like the moment where i'm like I almost had to do what you were doing with your dad with you, which is, which was a still, like I learned lots from, from that experience. Like, and at the same time I was still in university studying as well. Yeah. No experience in hospitality. So of course you got to like, you know, yeah, no, but, um, I think that is just such a drastic experience, but also similar in a way, don't you no, think? No, it's not similar. No. Yeah, no, you no, got no. to work with your dad, who had it's red tape similar. for lots of listen, things, I, and I got to work with you, and you had harder red tape listen, on everything else. No, no, no. You, we opened, we opened up an ice cream parlor together. Yeah. All right, and you came out of uni. No, in uni uh, still. Uh, no, uni. You, we were still. You were wrapping that yeah, up, right? Yeah. And I was like, I was getting that open, and then you were helping out with you. And then when you, you freed up with more time, obviously uni was your uni and you just spend time at uni right? May, I, I the only reason that I'm I've gra I graduated uni was because I made mama sons my my whole dissertation my final project and that's the only reason why I am even here today so there's lots of reasons for mama sons playing a big fact into like you know because she met me yes. and I met her and that's why because I met you <laughs> You just, yeah, go on, say it then. Say what? No, no, that's right. You're right. Yeah, so let's carry on from there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, me and Omar met. We opened Mama Sons together. We're not going to delve into it. But but Mama Sons was actually my, my first uh, experience into opening up a business. And commerce, yeah? Yeah, and that was, it was quite an experience, especially because I was still in my last year of uni. And I remember my mum calling me up saying, let me talk to that Omar. He's such a, you know, like, you can't do this. You can't do university and open up a business and learn at the same time. And I had to, like, you know, convince my very traditional Filipino mum 
that this was a good idea. And she was like, what? No, we're not doing Filipino ice well, cream. This know, is London. Well, the difference is, I think uh, we didn't have as much pressure to um, to create and and expedite the project at that time because it was such a great deal for the you know for the rent yeah and we were thinking of ideas of what yeah. to do you know I mean but in her involving you're involving the brand and then yeah. also operations logistics sourcing equipment yeah. design all that stuff that's you know these are all the things that I think as soon as you finished we did get into it and we pushed hard but yeah I think, but I think just that perspective that I want to just the difference there is that you grew up obviously with with your dad who's very business oriented and focused whereas my mom and dad who are like first gen Filipino immigrants they're like what are you doing you need to be a lawyer you need to be a doctor yeah why are you going to go into business it's not or you Find should be a, a good nurse job and involved in the career yeah matter. stay quiet yeah. do what you need to do to participate you know you can't you can't be a businesswoman not in not in the UK and I feel like for me you know looking at you and your dad's relationship that was very motivating for me to see you push forwards and do all these things like you did that typical Asian accountant career which was I did that because he you know, wanted it he didn't he want me to be in the restaurant business even though he asked me to you know straight from uni they could come help out he didn't want me to yeah ideally obviously he's old school asian and bengali guy and he, he wants oh he wants me to be a doctor and accountant or i mean for my mom and dad style. for my mom and dad to let me do art as a degree they they called my art coloring in that's what they told their like told their real friends like to their you know you know the the socializing group they would be like oh yes you know you that marketing and advertising graphics but to my aunties and uncles and to their best friends I don't know what she's doing here she's drawing coloring in I don't, I don't know what that is and I'm like mate I, I was like I couldn't even convince them they really wanted me to be a nurse until you know my Asian parents they're easy to kind of convince if you know how so I go and Google, and I went to UAL, which, which by the way, is now like top one first university, arts university in the world. So I'm proud of that. But at the time, obviously, it was UCL, Kings, all of these prestigious colleges from the Russell Group. And I, and I quick did, did a quick Google on the, on the internet, and I told my mom and dad, Mom, Dad, look, look at um, what ranking my university in. And I think at the time it was like, eighth or tenth or something like that and um i found an article that it said that um, ual was the best arts university in in london but it was just like a tiny article it wasn't an official ranking so i had all these tabs open and i called them over one evening and i go look i was like it's the top you don't want me to go to the top art university in london and then my mum and dad read it. They get all excited. So initially, they didn't want you to do art. No, no, They no. want you to become, what, a nurse? A nurse, a dental nurse. And then you or had to convince them by showing the prestige of the uni. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It was all a right. plan I plotted. Cool. Like, okay, you got that signed off. I got it signed off when we got here. Mm. But, um, but yeah, fast forward to me telling them about mum's sons. And because it was in my last year of my degree, I was like, you know what? I'm going to defer or drop out. Because I, I, I really believed in that, in, in our business. And she, she was like... I'm dragging you back. How dare you? We put, you know, you put you through school, everything. How could you do this I just, to us? I just want to Crying, make it all of it. I didn't do anything to compromise her, oh. her ability, all right, to give the right amount of attention to uh, her degree, okay? So I just want to make that clear, all right? Nothing was um, pressing. 
yeah. at that time yeah until you finish and thought okay now listen no no I wanted to be clear it was in the thick of it we were doing moments was in the thick of my degree it was on my third year and that's the only reason but long story short when did we open up Mama Sons Kentish? 2017 what month? that July. was that was when, when does when does the uni finish? 2017 no no what, what month? uh in August, September. August, September? Yes. Your uni goes into August, September? No, like the graduation part of it. The graduate, you mean yeah. like throwing a hat in the air? Yeah, but, right. but we were already doing mama sons before that. Listen, I, okay. got, I, got, right, I got the dissertation to show you. It's probably because at that time, he just thought I was like scribbling on my computer. Yeah, I was, I was getting me and her mate, um, Henry. Yeah, my yeah. friend Henry. Your yeah. friend Henry, he worked with it too. Um, and Adelaide. And Adelaide to help with like the marketing, branding perspective and like the press packs and stuff like yes. that. So, yes, so the only reason that happened was I made my whole final project and dissertation about Mama Sons. And my tutors were so kind enough to let me to use that the, the business as my no, it was great. As my submission. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. You know, and, and it just so happened that my four modules were on creative entrepreneurship, brand identity, um, social media, and where did I see the future going into for advertising? Because that was my degree. Yeah. And um, I was lucky to be able to incorporate all those things in, into our business. Yes, yes. But I, I had... I, um, it's okay. You didn't. I, I had your best interest. It's okay. You didn't tell me to quit university. He didn't tell me to quit university. Thank you. He almost did. No kidding. No, no. Um, no, but I, at the time I learned a lot, and I think it was a good time because social media was just on the rise of things. It wasn't as popular. I think at the time it was Facebook, and that was, you know, something I always kept telling you about. Oh, Instagram, this new platform. We need to make sure we utilize before Insta, it. Before the Insta craze, it was the Snapchat. Yeah. No, it was like, it was kind of at the same time. Well, your Insta, yeah, posting, but the whole kind of real-time shit, that yeah. was from Snapchat. And I remember um, saying, like, you know, there was this interesting thing where on Facebook, I was saying, when we design this menu, we need to make sure that the mums want to be able to take pictures and put it on their Facebook before, like, even the word Instagrammable came along. Yeah, a big, a big, um, a big influence was actually... Palm Violets. Palm Violets, yes. Palm Violets? Yes, it was like where a cafe. They were, yeah, they were known, and that's the first time I heard the word Instagrammable. They were known as the most Instagrammable cafe, and people used to go to just take photos. And yeah, we just realized that, yeah. The, the power of presentation. Yeah, we, instead of, you know, right now, okay, there's there's influencer strategies, and you got to, you know, um, encourage or, or motivate f um, financially the influencers to come in through paying them. But yeah. if you have a if you have a product that is interesting enough, uh, it, they will come on their own accord because they still need content. They're content hunters as well. Yeah. So I think at the time it was too mind. new. And I think a little bit ahead of the time when it yeah. came to like pushing products like that. I think you know? I think people were still kind of figuring out what being an influencer meant and what kind of effect their work had onto a business. It was kind of hard to measure like, scale yeah, they're, at they're, the time. Right, yeah, right now, their influence, the influence Man, of king. influencers is undeniable. Two, three years ago, you know, it was like, fuck, they just want a free meal or like, you know, they just it take it. It felt like that so, because it was no, hard to distinguish. But again, then. from like, I want us talking from an influencer's perspective, it is hard work as well. Make sure you maintain con consistent content yeah. and um, high quality content and, and making sure that your audience are happy with what you're presenting as well. 
yeah and building up an audience as well as finding new and as well like you know they always have to have their ear to the ground like with whatever is trending or new algorithm changes or maybe there's a new platform and how much exposure they're going to get for that business or that product or that individual it's a lot of you know risk on their part if you know they sign like a brand deal or they they do a collab with a with a restaurant or with a brand and you know it changes all of a sudden that algorithm and it's not really what they'd hoped and at the end of the day they've charged for something that didn't yeah, get that exposure. would have known back then if, that what YouTubers are getting paid right now. Oh my gosh. Mate, I wouldn't have opened up a restaurant. I would have got that A camera. YouTube I, channel. I would have, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I would have reviewed like um, I mean, we've attempted it many times, but I think for I real this year, yeah. we're going to we're gonna give it a go for real this yeah, year. Yeah, I would have reviewed magazines or something. Something, anything, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think for us, like that combination for Mumsons really worked out. And I think going into what you said about you and your dad and your, your partnership with him, kind of, you guys didn't align. I think that's where, apart from our first experiences, our kind of vision for Mama Sons and what we wanted to do with it, you know, we instantly clicked with that. And I think yeah, so if, that's you know, me, a big me reason why it's, that, it's successful. Yeah. yeah, me trying to explain that concept to my father um, at a time, and if I was still working with him, it, nah, it wouldn't have happened, you know? It was like, but it was a big risk. And like another thing is like being able to like take that risk without too much energy instead of focusing your energy and justifying your move sometimes you just got to jump and then learn how to land yeah all right and that's what we did we jumped off a cliff i mean sometimes you like, push the me we off the cliff and and tell me to figure push it out you off the cliff yeah like when you told me to sometimes you just be on the cliff looking shit how do i how do i get down you're like just two days later she's like hmm <laughs> looking at a map you know and uh he'd yeah. be like just quit university mate it's fine we'll figure it out don't say that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I never know. Listen, I, I, uh, I promote higher education. Listen, I went through higher edu- education. It, it, I, I may not be doing what I'm doing or what I've learned. Sorry, but it, what it does teach you is discipline, meeting deadlines, um, you know, social skills, and just networking. It's a great. It's a great institution. Um, I don't know if it's worth what you people are paying now, but it's a great institution, and I, I encourage my daughter to go to. University. Yo, I graduated, bro, and with a two-one. Cast come tell her like, listen, you best quit in you know the third year. I would break his legs, right? Because I wanted to finish. And well, my mom wanted to break your legs, that's for sure. I'm sure she did, but I never said that. I never told her you to quit. You might. <laughs> she, you might. <laughs> she came over to the house and was like, "What are you doing, huh?" Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, um, so that's that. I think you know that background story and us working together, moving on to our partnership, which you know. I think in all the businesses right now, there's a running theme of how they are run and the the main goal and culture for them strives from, which is a family business. And I get this question asked to me a lot, <laughs> which is, you know, how do we, you know, find it working with family? Because it's not just me and you together. Um, it's, it's you working with your sister and me working with my brothers and that so we managed initial to give help. Some feedback. We we did rope off some of our family members. Oh, I tried to us. rope every single family member to help me. Yeah, I mean back then, who else can you ask? You know. Yeah. Um, they understood you, and it just helps in the beginning. I I feel, uh, but then after a while, it does get challenging. Yeah, because demands are different. Uh, you know, 
the environment changes and you know the business evolves and that means sometimes the role involves or expectations change and they may feel the same way expectations change for them as well so it's 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 making sure that sometimes there's there's a challenge where you know we're working with family no matter what position you 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 need to make sure you're aligned all right but when you're working with a staff member you don't really need to make sure your your vision is to align because your your vision is there your job is to make sure they execute a part of it you know or they execute a a, a process within your vision to the best of their ability and if they they don't really care if they agree or not sometimes you just need to get a member of staff who has no uh, emotional connection you're to the you. boss so they don't yeah they don't yeah if you're the boss so when you say something you're the boss boom bada bing bada boom do what i need you to do and you will get rewarded or will get compensated with uh, with uh, money yeah has there been like a yeah and job satisfaction <laughs> but obviously with family that might be a little bit different yeah because they might disagree with you or whatever or sometimes you they might not like a certain approach or the delivery of a certain message and take it more personally than they need to and sometimes that becomes an issue you know so again i i know this person don't with use my, that tone with me no i'm no, working kidding. with my father working with uh even may you know we have we have our ups and we have our downs man and it's tough you know and i may say and she may something that i mean like what the hell do you what do you mean by that but you know <laughs> if it was anyone else you talk to you just say yeah sure no worries got you may let me just get on with that all right cool boom you know but it's it's hard it's difficult but saying that it's very difficult you can be very successful with family and I grow your business you know what family. it is like when you first open up a business i don't think there's anybody that's going to be as critical and as supportive as your own family and friends yeah they're going to be your biggest cheerleaders when it comes to you know believing in you and starting and whatever you need they're kind of there for you yeah. but they're also going to be the biggest you know haters for you in terms of like letting you know like hey like you know you're doing all of this and are you prepared like the outcome because they also want you to you know just be aware and be prepared of anything no some people some fa even families and people yeah even family they don't want you to progress any further sometimes yeah. that that's that's the case I'm oh no i mean it as more of a safety thing like they're trying to mentally prepare you like if this doesn't go well like you know what you're in for kind of thing yeah 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 you know but i think when when you need that kind of encouragement and that energy that you might not have as a, as a even as a person not, not even just as an entrepreneur family support and friend support could could give you that to like that drive uh, uh, to open it up yeah yes but listen unless they're entrepreneur like the initial like oh guys i'm gonna do this yay girlfriend you do your thing but you know when it comes to it and you're not you're not seeing your boys you're not seeing your family you're working constantly you're you know you're 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 pushing yourself and you know you're trying to push your team to um to make sure you know you deliver the standard or product you want um that's when you know it's a tough fight trying to open up your business and some then it's a reality or like you know what i'm involved in this business i don't really you know i'm not having fun anymore it's not exciting anymore yeah but then they have but the thing is they have the the luxury of saying i'm gonna tap out that's true you know? that's true and they could go you know but then you know if you open up your own you don't have the luxury you fight man you gotta continue you continue even no matter what painful. yeah no matter what you have a massive argument they could take off whatever and then you just gotta deal with it straight away you gotta switch off and boom you stop i think that's what? definitely the con the, the like the con out of it because i think in terms of 
building something together with your family. I think for me with Mum Sons, I managed to rope in like three of my brothers into the business, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and it's that moment, like you said, when if they, they might say, I'm taking a break or I'm going to try something new or I'm going to go find myself in Australia. When you put yourself in a position. Australia? Really, Moya? Australia? Okay. Um, you know. I'm not even saying names. I've only got one sister. <laughs> we all know who she is. It would have been a lot easier for you just to say my brothers. Right? No, no. <laughs> Leaving me for Australia? Uh, God damn. Listen, no. Jasmine, you, all right, you're taking a... <laughs> No, I'll stop. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, it, you know what? If, if like, like you said, it's difficult when they're family or, or really good friends that help you kind of start that business and help kind of nourish it to where it is. And to an extent, like they're kind of my safety blanket. And one by one, all of my brothers have been like, you're good now. I'm going to go for another reason and this reason. And it's difficult for me because I'm very, I'm very family She's oriented. The I'm the youngest. She's the youngest. So I'm used to having all of my siblings around me, and it was great Looking having them. Out for you. Yeah, it was great having them as a support system, as a support blanket if I needed something or me and you disagreed on something. Um, but you know, I still have Atijaz, so it's, it's okay. And Moya, she has my sister. I have your sister, and I, I have. I have myself. Well, no, you had all of them as well. Like you know, we were, we kind of, you know. No, no, they're all great. Listen family i love family yeah they're great but um no obviously dealing with them leaving us is quite yeah emotional so my sister left several times and has come back yeah. and at the moment she's back yeah yeah so i try not to talk to her directly because <laughs> or when i when i do talk to uh when i do talk to her jazz if you're watching this i'm very careful with my words because i may say some words that could be uh deemed offensive or uh, the energy might be wrong or the vehicle of where my words or you just weren't looking right that the day vehicle yeah whatever it is so um, but that's taught me to be a little bit more tactful and stop and think instead yeah. of where family is very easy for you just to kind of like you know react unprofessionally you know but at the same time, you got to remember that they're here helping you and they're here trying to... But you know what, they're sometimes... Doing the, they're doing their best for you as well. So sometimes you, the break you, is, is good for for the structure anyway. I'm talking about the family and the business because they've gone off sometimes, learned or had an experience that's helped them and they bring it back to the business. You know, like If you they said, come back. <laughs> if they don't come back... It's painful and awkward at family dinners. No, but, no, no, no. But not. thankfully, that hasn't happened to us quite yet. So we're on a roll. They always come back. <laughs> always. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Let's move on. Quickly. Yeah. So dealing <laughs> Stop talking with, about this. <laughs> dealing with the family ever, huh? and, and close friends, like, uh. that was a benefit to us, I would say, in the beginning. And now where we are uh, at this stage in our, in our multi-site businesses, um... I just want to say sorry to any family members I've offended. <laughs> okay. Okay, carry on. Um, yeah, it, uh, what I was trying to say is that energy and that love and that support was um, definitely needed in, in our first, you know, few businesses ventures together. All I'm thinking about is my brother and his sister now, sorry. <laughs> and if they were offended, we didn't say anything that bad. Listen, Jasmine stayed out of the family business for donkey's years. She never even got involved with, <laughs> with my dad and, and us. She she was the smartest. She's like, mm-mm, not for me. I'm not going to... Listen, I've got no hair for a reason. And dad's... 
I'm sorry, that's you, all right? <laughs> that's your fault. <laughs> okay, I think this is for a different type of... Yeah, it's like therapy, jeez. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, moving forward. Now that it's just us two, yeah. mainly, um, we've had to adapt and grow and use other things to manage our... Um, nine businesses together and I want to talk a little bit about how we went about that and the journey of figuring out the ecosystem of apps and checklists Solutions, and methods processes before and you, yeah yes all of that jazz so just to like, like we've had other conversations I don't want to go into it because we don't have much time but other conversations about how we grew physically and the opportunities we took to open up more businesses and the reason why we were in those opportunities so um if you go back i'm going to just point over here guys and you're going to put a link or something like that yeah cool to some another blog uh, uh podcast that talks about it then uh yeah hopefully that will give you some insight but just to accelerate now we're at nine and then i think specifically you're talking about the challenges of operating nine 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 branches six different brands uh, how many members of the team do we have now? 158. Wow. I, did it go up? I'm going to look at a payroll. And this is where I want to go into. <laughs> we, we have that afterwards. So All right. That's not... We have a finance meeting after this, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So the difference between you know our first experiences as a single entrepreneur to now a serial entrepreneur. Do you want to tell people what that is? The what? <laughs> serial and, and, and what? An entrepreneur versus and a serial entrepreneur. And a serial entrepreneur. Um, a serial entrepreneur is really nice with milk in, in, at breakfast with a glass of orange juice. Here you go. Do you want to read it here? That joke of the day. No, that's yeah, it. No, no, yeah. no. So a serial entrepreneur is probably somebody who takes more risk. Serially. Serially? <laughs> They'll take more risk. Now they, they do... They do uh, um, multiple projects um they want to start new new ventures and uh yeah it's just the difference between one plus more yeah right in a nutshell in a yeah. nutshell yes it's a, a serial entrepreneur so we're serial entrepreneurs yeah yes we, we we like starting shit yeah it's typically someone who seeks out new kind of revenue streams whether they're different brands or they're different areas of business like retail or things like that but specifically for us it was creating more brands and replicating them um and trying to make them successful yes and um what would you say is like your top three things that help you achieve running nine businesses and six different brands um the top three things yeah. that help me achieve yeah i don't i don't fully we fully achieved it yet no no we'll like the top three things that help you run these businesses i know what these all top right three so things the, are. like really specific yeah. there's many many things if I, you told, if I had to put it in a nutshell, three things. Three things that, like, you know, Help. you have to do this, okay, otherwise so, our business is closed. Okay, so definitely processing systems and making sure they're, they're, um, they're consistent throughout different brands. So generally a restaurant's run like a restaurant, and you might have nuances per branch or per brand that differentiate the, the, the product. Yes? yes? Or the brand perception. Yes. But so most of it, from running it to, from, like, Cleaning down checklists, operating checklists, uh, EHO checklists, food checks, all that stuff, you know, audit controls like customer service quality controls, and they should all be the same. And I think over a while we've consistency, consistency, we've learned to evolve that and have little nuances per per place. So it helps us, whatever works, for example, in one of our brands, and this works extremely well, 
a new system we try and identify and say oh that was really good and leverage that, like for example we, we you guys created a, a, a progress tracker training schedule for the team for Panadera yeah that and when I saw how great that spreadsheet was I'm like wow that's really fantastic let's use that in our other brands and help us track the development of our teams yeah you know um, and vice versa so we try and leverage as much as we can because if we don't leverage and we try and create individual systems for each brand or each branch or leave it to their own quarter. It's impossible, man. You will go do lally and and you won't be able to keep track. So just to recap, those three things are leveraging. Did I say three things? You did, you oh, did, wow. but I'm gonna I'm gonna recap them for you. So number What's one it, just one. It, number one is systems, having those systems, their day-to-day operations to, to run the businesses. And number two is consistency, making sure that, you know, you don't just do it for one day, you do it every day and you've got to be consistent with it, even if you don't feel like doing them and, and following up and checking on it. Oh, how much? And the third one... Back, she's getting a bit... And the third one is leverage. And I think for me, that's kind of the, the thing we use the most is I mean, when one system is successful in another site or another you, branch so, so what's number one systems and then number two is um you said leverage is number one already no i didn't i said systems is number one yeah consistency is number two yeah and leverage is number three okay okay cool um I want to add to that. I think there's more than three. There's loads. Of, I mean, I don't but know. But those are the three things that we kind of use every day right now. Listen, I use a lot more than three things every day, you know. So I, as much as those three things are important, all right, there's a shit ton of like, there's, my brain don't stop thinking I'm about. I'm sorry. I think I've just triggered three, something. Three things in half an hour, maybe in 10 minutes of what I, you know. But a big part of it is organizational structure as well, uh, making sure that, you know, as you do grow, having the right team is important the right skill set is important being able to identify you know great you know good fits with you know and dynamics that will when it comes to hiring um and the training involved with that as well you know there's, well, there's, there's, a sh- there's loads of things i mean but org structure should be up there as well yeah all right and, and we you know for a very long time because we grew quite fast and we have this kind of like laissez-faire family dynamic there wasn't a, a, a rigid org structure and that that impacts you know the your staff perception of you and the ability to kind of you know say do i have a future of this organization and if there's if there's a ladder that they could climb and opportunities that they could get into then that's something you want to present to them and and especially in this climate like staff retention is is a, a big factor when it comes to growth. Yeah. A lot of businesses can't grow right now because of staffing levels. And some are even reducing their operating hours and in some extreme cases closing altogether because they can't find the staff. Um, so yeah, definitely org structure, training, staff retention is a big factor at this stage, I think in our business for making sure that we could grow successfully. It's all about the people, it's all about you. Apart from people, uh, investing in our people and our team and our hierarchy and our organizational structure, um, there are obviously, there's obviously um, other tools we use to help manage these processes, the systems, the people development, the training, you know? So what would be uh, probably your, your top three tools to use? My top three tools. Your top three. I use a lot more than three though, by the way. So um, your top three. My top three would probably be... Uh, Asana, which is our project management tool. Asana is great. My Google Calendar, because that's where my whole schedule lives for every single person. You're very good at 
calendaring. Yeah, I mean, like with this many staff and these many managers, these many, this many managers, um, I got to keep track of all of them somehow. Yes. And I think the third one is time blocking for meetings. Um, you know, we have our meetings, which are very important. And then I'll have a few things with the heads of the different departments that we have. So like marketing, accounts, uh, operations. And then sometimes from time to time, I like to go to the to the onboarding welcome days because I just I just like to meet our staff. Fancy. Yeah. Um, so that's probably my top three. Um, my top tool. You want to know? What's your top tool? Thanks for asking. Uh, my top tool. <laughs> All right, is actually such a beg. <laughs> such a beg, isn't he? My top tool is WhatsApp. All right, yeah. I want to be real. Okay, so WhatsApp uh, is amazing to keep track of all your groups and all your departments and all your brands. And like for every restaurant, for every brand, we have probably three different groups one for like front of house, one for kitchen, and one for management. Then, you know, obviously, there's the accounting group chats, and there's a couple of them They're from the marketing group chats. Oh, we got marketing group chats for days I think like I've right. counted I've counted how many group chats me and you are on yeah. and it's about 50 yeah there's like yeah your 50. phone is just so a big part of our day is just like waking up in the morning and just reviewing it and just analyzing and just trying to you know to an extent you know I don't like to promote WhatsApp management, sap, 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 WhatsApp, because it's annoying. But you know, it's maybe a, it's a good, it's a good probably start of your day to kind of keep abreast of what's going down and getting your ear to the ground. And then you know, you do what you need to do to kind of execute your deliverables. Um, but WhatsApp is one hundred percent. You know, a lot of people um, shit talk it and downplay it. It's not you shouldn't be using it. But I don't know any other um, like simple a solution as simple as that to to get the results we need. You know? What's the other two? The other two is uh, my mind. <laughs> no, I mean that, right? So, no, luckily, luckily, like, we're in a position of, like, we are, we are where we are at this stage. And I was, <laughs> you know, from my background, I've been a lot more hands-on, you know, and I st I'm still hands-on. But given the ability and, and the resources we have in place right now from our offices to, the, to all these um, IT solutions, <laughs> I'm able to zoom in and zoom out so I could zoom in all the way into the presentation of a of a dish and I'll be able to kind of add value to that but then I could zoom out all the way to say you know what um, maybe we should change our, our growth strategy our growth strategy for this specific you know what because those new Apple VR goggles are going to be so good for you oh yeah they're going to be great man <laughs> That's gonna be one of my tools, but um, and another thing is pen and paper, man. You can't go, you can't go wrong with pen okay. and paper. So it's just anytime you, are, you know, I, I have an idea for a new system, process, dish. Uh, there's, there's, you know, I want to jot down a quick list that I want to execute in an, in an hour. I'll write them three, four things down, boom, and it's just this pen and paper works great. But that's me in my position because we've invested in any of these tech solutions. Yeah. I don't need to get involved too much. Yeah. You know, now with all these solutions like our QuickBooks accounting software, our hospitality workforce software, our stock take software, market man that, that um, tracks inventory, that tracks our, our price variances, any, um, uh, our GPs. Food alerts. Food alerts. There's, there's so many solutions that I never had when I opened up Guanabana in 2008. I mean, I think the rudimental things and, that you had back then were like the checklists. Do, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, we, pen, and pen, pen and paper. 
pen and paper and spreadsheets spreadsheets google sheets back then and, and still uh, still a lot of great restaurants still use pen and paper yeah, there's nothing like, uh, yeah they, and they're sometimes the most effective yeah. you know so there's there's the high risk of analysis paralysis where you're trying to find the right tech solution for your problem where if you the amount of time you invested in finding the right solution if you just dealt with the problem you would have been fixed you know so um a lot of people mistake a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners mistake oh i spent the day working on finding a solution nah mate you just wasted the day you know just pick one yeah. pick one get on with it and and just mark that result as done you definitely you I mean? like have that um owner uh, perspective, perspective only because I know that if I had said that to my ops managers I would be getting an earful of all the things that they have to manage on the side that they can't deal with like you know with just pen and paper and just a rudimental excel spreadsheet but I do understand where you come from where you know in a single site in in one place there's no time for like solutions and tax solutions and thinking about it or having meetings or you know you just gotta fix it. For you just one, gotta yeah, react. For one place. So is for one it, place. You just yeah. gotta get yeah. on it, fix it, get on to the next thing that you and, have and to that fix. And that mindset works for that one place. Yeah. But uh, you, you know, you we do need to like as we grow larger. God willing, we grow. Yeah. We double our, our, our branches. Yeah. We need to. Tech is important. But not you know, even being just, able to track. Um, figures, track, feedback, fact, and, track, and even collecting data as well. I think you know when you run a single site, you you build that customer relationship with the customer because you're there every day. You see them every day. What happens when you go from one to five to nine? And let alone they're not even just the same brands and the same concepts. They're all different and they're all unique. And you can't remember all those customers that come. You know, so you do need to find the things that work for you and and the secret is like you know anybody who deals with ops and that's the the main, main the bulk of my time is with my ops team and meeting yeah. new new kind of tech solution people that are presenting things to me nicely and helping me like kind of make a decision of what I'm going to spend all our money and budget on yeah a lot of time is spent again trying to pick the right like I'll yeah. give you an example accounting yeah I went for, went for uh, zero went for sage we went through back to spreadsheet I think we went back I mean what's the other one um, VT 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 went back to spreadsheet again and then now we're on QuickBooks, QuickBooks. Cloud alright and the reason and then also the, the integration factor is an important element making sure that all these solutions that you're investing in and some of them cost tens and thousands of pounds to, to integrate and implement alright make sure they could all talk to each other so you have uh, yeah, integration. Yeah, integration yeah. Is, a, is an important element. So before, that, I, that's, think sorry, that, be I think sometimes that's where people and tech solutions trick you. Like, there's so many things, right? You, if you have an ops team, and sometimes that might consist of one to two or, or four, and the secret to like building the ecosystem of apps that works for you is is there's no ever right app for one place. Like, you got to do the trial and error to see what works with um, the concept that you have, number one. And then number two, um, are you going to find another tech solution that you like even more, but that doesn't integrate with the other the other systems? Like, you, you can't really, like, set out to find integrations that work well with only these certain apps, but then come to end to realize 
there's this one app that's going to drive your business forwards way more than these other ones and you have to abandon these ones that you've just spent your time on yeah it's quite tricky right it's now. very tricky and as you grow so what a solution that would have been fine for like maybe reservations when you had one unit or two units as you grow it may not be the right doesn't work anymore, you know? every time that you yeah. grow whatever you've put in place before that doesn't work yeah so i mean and if there is something that works the larger you get the, give might, me a call yeah send me an email the larger you get the obviously then there's but you know you're gonna have to look at somebody for for it procurement for uh you know for it yeah 100 well. 100 you know it's 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 hand like, in hand in running and hospitality i'll give you an example uh, like business. we we have nine sites that have similar kind of uh, they all speak a similar language in terms of their op operations and their systems but mamasons and the restaurants they're not on the same softwares they're different you know they might have things that cross over like marketman we all use marketman for them and yeah marketman does what um marketman counts our stock and does our kind of uh, inventory system i said that counting stock <laughs> and all it's the gp software management gp yeah. stock take so it helps us kind of manage and um make menus and recipe books and all of that stuff so we use that for all the brands but for example their their daily operational um checklists mamasons is you know we're considering a few things like trail and jolt and what is trail and jolt do? Tra trail and jolt are they manage your kind of digital checklists that kind of help keep everything on track measure productivity all those processes all that good that things you that you need design on a spreadsheet yeah to manage consistency and maybe one or two units you, yeah. and after a while you want to scale it because yeah. trying to make sure your managers print it all out and there's enough it's long there's enough ink in the printer and that's the reason or oh, i ran out of ink and i can't that's why i didn't have the form and all, all these excuses you hear <laughs> you know digitally allows you to kind of like alert you if something hasn't yeah. been done you know it's just and now and now like you know i you know a classic thing happened where i felt like we built those ecosystems of apps of how they all talk to each other they all integrate i'm finally happy and this one app comes along blows my mind and it's food alert and anyone that's on there like it is absolutely excellent like in the way that it it for the restaurant side of it definitely yeah. it schedules in like your compliance so like if you have your um, alcohol license due and sometimes we forget right like yeah, who, who remembers all those things yeah it's just specific for what we need to do yeah um, so but I, I mean, there's no there's no like right app and that's the secret but I, I'm a firm believer in before you look at these app solutions because you think oh this will help me do it rudimentally on a spreadsheet print it out get your if you don't understand the process then when it comes to designing the solutions on these on, on these apps then it's gonna it's gonna be very you know costly in terms of your time and money so they all take even, time to set up don't even need it but it's such a great presentation. You think, oh, wow, that's really cool. And they aren't cheap, man. Yeah. You know, we spend a pretty penny when it comes to these um, tech solutions now. Yeah. We never had that before. I remember no. taking reservations with a, on a diary. Yeah. On the phone, man. And sometimes that's just as good as sometimes for one unit, maybe. But yeah. But in terms of that operations ecosystems, like my advice would be to just trial and error it. You know, write your ultimate goal in. And my ultimate goal was I need to be able to, at a snapshot, look at how like all the H restaurants are HR, performing can you do on like, my phone. Like just I know we're running out of time, but HR and what do we use at the moment? So we use workforce. And then, like, given the amount of employees we have at the moment to manage 150 employees, you do need an HR solution. I mean, it, it, workforce is, is not the main thing of it is not an. It. 
an HR solution. It's a scheduling tool with um, other tools inside it that helps you kind of create a more uh, compliant work culture. So it's a great way to alert your employees for a certain change or a new rule or, or things like that. Make sure you're up to date and diligent with all the documents. And it, it, it's helpful for your actual HR person yeah. to manage all HR, these things. HR, your payroll, all of that, yeah, it manages that. So, I mean, obviously, Excel has been used for decades as, uh, as a solution, but these pretty apps now on your phone you could just be you don't need a laptop no more you could run it off your phone you know and it'll just ping you or you can see yeah. things that or um, um, extrapolate reports as and when you need them whatever time of the day which is great yeah but, but also a ball ache to implement so it takes care- time be careful be careful when you pick one because the integration is is one of the biggest factors that we didn't realize for some of these apps and how long it takes for it to be successful well that said anyway what's next is uh what's going on what's happening with our growth we want to we're talking about all these things are we are we, are we growing are we going to do anything else man because damn it we ain't done nothing for two years I mean, no, like, we have we have grown our yeah, structure yeah, and our yeah. systems. We've got this little office. We're trying to build a foundation. You know, we're doing these podcasts. We, we finally have the time. We don't want to build on a house of cards, and I felt at that point that's what we were doing. So that's why there's a lot more investment in tech and people and org structure. And I think it takes you know picking people to be part of that. Uh, head office and that organizational structure is a really important process. And I think now we're ready. We're and ready we to are. open up more We've units. got that. We've got that So we're team. looking right now, guys. We won't tell you exactly, but stay tuned. May's going to launch uh, uh, one of our vlogs. What? Yes. Why did you just out me like that? Because you, I think we all need a vlog for May about, you know, what we're doing. And, um, so sure. Yeah. Push that content. <laughs> Anyway, guys. Guys, thank you so much. And uh, for anybody that's been uh, following our podcast and listening, thank you so much. And if there's anything you want, you want us, us to talk, talk about, about, please mention it in the comments. Send me a DM. Send us a message. Whatever it is. And if there's anything we can help with and discuss and all that value to your life or decision-making process, we're happy to help. So thank you. Make sure to like and comment and subscribe, guys. Yes, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.